0: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode.
1: Hello and welcome to the Football, well the Fans Footballer of the Year Awards. I am Conor Bromley and I'm joined by John Cross who's one of our main Daily Mirror football writers and we may as well just jump straight to it John. Uh, We'll go through the list in terms of teams and we'll start with Liverpool and their only nomination, it's no surprise who it is, Mo Salah. Liverpool of course had an iffy season last year but this season Mo Salah looks on course to win the golden boot. Um, John tell us about Mo Salah and you know his credentials as the winner of this award. Oh just a fabulous um,
0: season he finished you know last season with a plum. but I do actually think that at the start of this season if we're talking about 2021 it's just been amazing he's, he's enjoyed a purple patch of form which has seen him score spectacular goals. Um, you know, his, his, his level of controls have hit messy, messy levels, really messy, pink messy levels. And I would say around or so, a month or so ago, there was a lot of talk, wasn't there? And I'm not sure that it's changed particularly, really. So the, at the moment, on current form, he's the best player in the world. You know, he's, he's out playing and out scoring and outperforming any other player in the world right now. His his importance, I think, for Liverpool has always been obvious and has been clear. And I just think he's taken his game to a whole new level at the moment. He you know, some of his goals, I mean, he scored at least, you know, his goal, his goal at Watford, I think was, you know, was was sensational in, in the dribbling and the and the control and the balance that he showed. You know, was that better than say against Man City? He's just been absolutely fabulous. He's he's a ray of goals. He's 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 prolific in front of goals, in front of goal. But he's also a score of wonderful, excellent goals. And so I do think he's his level of performance this year has taken his, I think, standing. Uh, to, to new heights. I mean, it's come at a time, isn't it? Basically when, when there's no doubt about it, the pressure is on Liverpool to sign him to a new contract and, uh, you know, and basically what happens next, because he is reaching a stage, but he's so um, where, where he's, you know, the contract needs to be renewed. Um, and also, I guess, you know, he's entering a stage of his career where it's crunch time, really for him. This is going to be, let's be honest here. It's, it's the big new contract. Basically, this is going to sort of define his earnings, if you like, and he's define his, you know, standing as a, as a footballer. But I, I, I just think we're reaching a stage where he's just irreplaceable and, you know, priceless for, for Liverpool. How on earth do you put a player a value on this player's head? He's just phenomenal. And he's he's going to go down as a Premier League great, in my view, without, without a shadow of a doubt, let alone a, a Liverpool great who's taken them to new heights and helped them win the win the Premier League title in recent times.
1: Yeah, last last one on Salah. Do you think, you know, you mentioned the contract there. How big of a blow do you think it would be for the Premier League as a whole and the brand of the league if Mo Salah was to not sign a new deal at Liverpool and go elsewhere? Because you wouldn't see him re-signing somewhere else in the Premier League, would you? No, you wouldn't. It would be impossible for him to, I
0: think, to join someone else. Um, I think it would be a massive blow. I mean, we, in, terms of, in terms of losing players, it, you know, I always harp back to the fact that, you know, the Premier League, lost the best player in the world at the time in in Cristiano Ronaldo in 2008. And I think that basically, I think the Premier League then, don't get me wrong, I thought it was the best and most entertaining league in the world for sheer competitiveness. But as global stars go, I did feel that that was a gap there that was not filled after Ronaldo left. He's obviously back now and he's a global superstar, but he's not at the peak of his powers. Well, Salah is. And so I think that that would be a blow, not just for, for Liverpool, but for, for the Premier League. And I think that, you know, that those moments are a, a, a crucial, really. What I would say is that I can't see him playing for another Premier League team. And who does he go to? And it would be slightly different if he were on a free, because obviously he, I'm sure Liverpool won't let get to that point, but. He would be then all of a sudden achievable for different clubs, and they might be able to put him on incredible money. But I think that Real Madrid will look, you know, perhaps to Mbappe or Haaland. And I think that Barcelona just, I mean, look, they can't keep the best player in the world in Lionel Messi <laughs> because basically they can't afford to sign him to a new contract and they're struggling to bring in the players that they have signed to get a financial approval. Uh, I mean, where do people think that suddenly, you know, Barcelona can suddenly sign Raheem Sterling, let alone, you know, on loan, let alone, you know, Mo Salah. So I think that basically sometimes it would have been easier in the past for Mo Salah to be negotiating a new contract because while I think there'll be no shortage of offers in interested clubs, the ones that are actually viable, well, I just don't see them. So that's why I think he'll end up starting staying at, at Liverpool because he's, he's priceless and he's brilliant as a player. But also, there's no comp, no competition out there, which, you know, I'm sure will be depressing his agent no end at the moment.
1: <laughs> we'll move on now to some Manchester City players. Uh, the only defender on the list, Ruben Diaz. And, is he the best defender in the Premier League at the minute? I mean, I think Antonio Rudiger has certainly given him a run for his money, and Virgil van Dijk would logically be on this list had he not been injured for last season. Ruben Diaz, is he deserving to be on this list? Oh, absolutely, because I think he's changed Man City.
0: So I think last season, midway through, you know, I think we suddenly saw Diaz not just transform. You know, Man City, I think, as a, as a title challenge, he, he tightened up the defence, gave them new confidence, completely reinvigorated John Stones, gave him a new confidence. I mean, the pair of them look fabulous together. Laporte then has also, you know, come back into favour this season. And again, it's the constant of playing again alongside Diaz. Diaz is just an absolute, you know, monster, really, defensively. He's so big, he's so powerful, he's so strong terrific player um he's given the whole city team i think a confidence not just that defense he's given their back line you know really secure foundations you know you're right in what you say i think virgil van Dijk, obviously that long-term injury coming back seamless transition you know really there's been few mistakes which is remarkable and shows his quality you know, that that length of time out to come back in the way that he has is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. It shows what a true performer he is. And I'm so pleased you brought up Rudiger. Because Rudiger is such a character and such an entertaining player to watch. He loves a grapple. He loves a wrestle. I was at, you know, um, Chelsea Man United yesterday. You know, he's just brilliantly. He's such an old school defender, really. He's such an entertaining character. And then basically when things are not going his way, well, he'll just step forward and unleash one from 30 yards, which hits the bar, and then waste a chance, a glorious chance in the 97th minute to win it. But, you know, I think we demand a little bit more from our defenders these days. For them to catch the eye, they've got to do a little bit more than basically just, you know, head it and clear it. And Diaz, sort of also going back to him, typifies that. His confidence and his elegance on the ball and the way that he strides out and basically joins up with midfield, I think is, is, is you know, is fantastic. It makes him stand out on what a signing, brilliant signing.
1: Uh, Next up for Man City Kevin De Bruyne De Bruyne had a brilliant end To last season Injured at the Euros And it feels to me Like he hasn't fully Recovered from that Which is still a testament to him Because he's still been Very good this season But Kevin De Bruyne On this list I I personally think That this maybe Hasn't been his strongest year But I don't know You're the expert Not me
0: yeah, I I I'd go along with that. I think it was a heartbreaking scenario in the Euro you know, in the Champions League final, wasn't it? Which then sort of kind of had a bit of a hangover into the Euros because he didn't ever feel that he was he always felt that he was chasing the game. Whereas I think that basically De Bruyne at his best is controlling the game. And he just he was always struggling to kind of, you know, hit that level. There can be no doubt about it. De Bruyne at his best, well, you know, we could talk all day about kind of, you know. Who are the best players in the world? And 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 City, I think, basically, have made strong cases, you know, about being the best team in 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 Europe for for sure. Um, and I think when when they're at the best, De Bruyne is at the heart of that, and and basically is is the argument as to why City are that team. So what does that make him? I think it makes him the best of his type in midfield. He's just, you know, he's just a wonderful, wonderful midfield playmaker, orchestrator, passer scorer, crosser. He just does absolutely everything. He connects everything together for City. He's just been an amazing signing. What a player, what a talent.
1: Phil Foden, you know, he had his breakout year, I suppose, over the last 18 months. Um, he went to the Euros as well, of course, with England. It seems to me like he is the, probably one of about three players who are under the age of 23 at the minute who you think are going to be leading football for the next 10 years. Um, no surprise to see him on this list, do you think that he is going to be one of, if not already the best player in the world?
0: I think he's got that ability and potential. Yeah. I think that he can go to the world cup in 2022 with another year behind him and, you know, take center stage um, as one of the stars in the world cup. And to do that at such a young age, is really quite remarkable. (laughs) What I like about him is he's so adaptable. He can play, you know, wide, he can play a deeper lying role in midfield and control games. You know, his vision is is remarkable. His ability on the ball is is fabulous to see. His control, his dribbling skills, just, you know, the way that he glides across the pitch is the most eye-catching thing. He just basically that that you know, he's got the ball at his feet and he just, you know, he's just absolutely runs the game but the way that he just glides past opponents the and then puts things on a plate you know for, for, for other players it's just remarkable he's such a talent what a player you know and England is so fortunate to have him do you remember all those you know it felt like years of kind of the debate about Phil Froden should he go out on loan should he do this you know why isn't Guardiola giving him more game time well actually it, it so so it proves that Guardiola is is the master, uh, uh, you know, and basically when it comes to nurturing talent. And yes, Man City have got you know sort of kind of real competition for places there. It frustrates players in the past. You know, Jaden Sancho is a classic example of that. You know, so, I'm, am I going to get my chance? I need to go elsewhere, and that's worked for him. But I tell you what, it's really really worked for Phil Foden just to stay there to work every day in training. To improve, to get better, his natural talent is phenomenal. I, I you know, I love this player. You know, recently been raving about him. You know, for England and his performances there. You know, his 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 control and his dribbling. It's as close to Messi as, as you're going to see from an England player. It really is. He's just fabulous. Um, so I do think he certainly deserves his place on the shortlist. But I actually think. At 2022, has got the has got the potential and the opportunity to be even better because City are in the title race. We all know that City will be determined to make up for previous disappointments in the Champions League, and then at the thrust of it, you know, next year the World Cup in Qatar. Um, finishing December 2022, well, it's all there for Foden. And the glorious thing is that he's sort of kind of almost got, you know, even more time to to progress and mature and get better. Because when you look at his progression over the last year, I think that, that, that takes it to a whole new level. And then also, I think, again, it will be slightly frustrating for him that, you know, the Euros could have been his time. And I think that basically injury... um You know, and sort of kind of that bizarre Southgate move (laughs) to kind of, you know, take him out to kind of when other players like Mason Mount had to self-isolate. So he didn't want to lose Phil Foden on a booking. Um, It was a strange argument at the time and it impacted upon him. And I, I often think like that, the big characters and the best players will use previous disappointments to kind of inspire them to make the most of the next one. And therefore, if the Euros was a disappointment for him, and I think it what probably was on an individual level, then I think he'll make up for it in the World Cup.
1: We're moving now to three, the first of three Chelsea players, Mason Mount. Uh, we have just touched on them there talking about England, but he's a player that's a hard worker. Uh, certainly has quality, no doubt about that. But he's a player that is kind of at the heart of that Chelsea team. When Chelsea play well, generally Mason Mount is in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that he, um, it, uh, you know, is every manager's dream really because he is that industrious player. He's a very skillful, technical player. Who, you know, he, he, he allies that ability, um, uh, you, you know, to great technical uh, ability allied with sort of kind of, you know, hard work. You know, the, the odds that he covers on the pitch is fantastic. He can, again, he could play, he can play in various roles, I think. He can be the number 10. He can be that wide attacking player. He can play slightly deeper in midfield. And that adaptability coupled with that hard work and industry, I think is the, is the reason why manager after manager likes him and rates him. I mean, it's so telling, isn't it? That basically, you know, as at Chelsea Man United. He starts the game on the bench and Chelsea miss something. They really do. Uh, They miss a thrust and the, you know, direction that he provides, I think from, you know, midfield and attacking midfield. And I think that, that, you know, shouldn't be overlooked. But time after time, you have this kind of row, you know, sort of kind of with people that don't see him on a regular basis and sort of say, oh, yeah, but what does he do? You know, he's not as skillful or spectacular as as others. Well, actually, yes, he is. But also you kind of, the reason why other managers, you know, be that Frank Lampard, be that Gareth Southgate, be that Thomas Tuchel, I think pick him is because he works so hard for the team and he offers so much.
1: Next is Eduard Mendy, uh, the goalie for Chelsea, who is seems to have in the last year created almost a, a legend around himself to me. you know, He seems to be a keeper that his pulls off saves that are just unimaginable. I mean, I remember that game at Brentford earlier this season where he was just spectacular from first to last, really just won Chelsea the three points in a game that they didn't play well. He, to me, has probably put himself in the conversation of being the best goalkeeper in the world, or certainly in the top three of that. Would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely. I would. And it's an amazing story. And I think part of the reason why we like him so much is because he's, he's so unorthodox in every sense. So that basically he's had an unorthodox kind of, you know, progression. So he was what out of work, <laughs> you know, signing on, you know, basically a few years back and basically is fought his way back from being, you know, without a club, a free agent, to suddenly being, you know, Chelsea. Ch- I mean, you signed for a relatively low amount, basically, as well. And, you know, uh, Petr Cech, um sort of championed him, saw something in him that basically thought he, you know, could dominate. Um, and I don't think there's many leagues that are as demanding as the Premier League for goalkeepers, in that basically it's such a physical league. And I think you have to really command that that penalty area to be really considered... A success and um, you know a big presence, and, and and Mendy has got that. I think sometimes you think, you know, he can be a bit of a goal line goalkeeper in that basically he can sort of stay stay deep and basically make reflex saves and very good saves and very important contributions for, for his team. But he, he, equally, I think he's you know he's he's clearly a big presence and the and the defenders around him really like him. But sometimes he does things and you think, well. You know, it's not almost classic goalkeeping, but it just keeps the ball out of the net. He's comfortable with the ball at his feet. He does absolutely everything right. And I just think it, he absolutely is, you know, sort of kind of classically trained or not. And the sort of kind of, you know, certainly didn't come up in this sort of the, you know, now we're so sanitised with this kind of the, uh, the sort of the academy uh, graduates basically. And he's, he's you know, He's come up the unconventional way. And it just feels like, to me, he's just a great story and a great example of kind of, you know, how you can turn things around and be sort of show hunger and desire to reach the very top. And he's really at the top of his game. He's a fabulous story.
1: Jorginho, who I think, you know, people talk about him potentially winning the Ballon d'Or at one stage. Um, He seems to have, he was always a very, very good player, but he seems to have taken it to the next level uh, over the last year. Yeah so listen I, I I you know when we've we've been recently asked
0: for our kind of votes on on players and I think if you you know who's player of the year I think if you judge it on achievements in in you know in 2021 then I would go Jorginho he would be my choice overall because I think that he has been a growing influence for Chelsea I think he's taken his his you know levels to really, uh, you know, different class now. He controls games. He's so comfortable on the ball. He runs games. But I think if you just look at it, you know, the, basically he's won the Champions League and then he's won the Euros. Well, how are you going to better that? You know, I just think, I just think it's, if you judge players on on on, on trophies and, and success, then I don't see that there's anyone else in the conversation, frankly. Jorginho is, is you know, is, for me is, you know, I mean, <laughs> probably won't win the Ballon d'Or, but it was—it was, you know, felt like a good conversation to have. But I do think that basically he should be—he should be at the front and center of it, just based on, you know, what he's achieved. He's been, basically been king of Europe for both club and country. That takes some doing.
1: And last on this list uh, is a West Ham player, Declan Rice, um, of course. He had a phenomenal Euros. Um, Him and Calvin Phillips in the middle for England were just sensational. And West Ham have had a superb, yeah, you know, David Moyes has came in there and seems to have took Declan Rice's game to the next level. You know, he was all, I think Rice was a brilliant player, but sometimes there was a criticism that maybe he wasn't utilising his skills well enough, whereas now you can see West Ham are getting the full potential out of him. And he probably is deserving to be, on this list, even though his name does stand out a little bit because he plays for West Ham and not one of the big six teams.
0: Yeah, it's good to see him on, on on board, and it was interesting to see, wasn't it? Some of the, um, you know, his performance levels for England have been have been great, quite apart from what he's done for for West Ham to, to elevate them. But it was really interesting for me to see some of the sort of the uh, UEFA technical reports, um, in in the summer over the course of particular games, um, because UEFA do publish them, but also over the course of you know the tournament itself, and you know Phillips came in for some rich praise um, from unexpected sources in in, in many ways. Um, you know, but I'm thinking particularly Fabio Capello, but also Declan Rice. I mean, it's just you know they, they really you know drew on his performance levels as the anchor man um, time and time again. And it's easy to see why I think he's, you know, his drive from midfield, you know, he's not just that defensive shield anymore. He gets forward, he scores goals. Um, You know, he's such a leader, his powerful presence on the pitch. Um, I'm someone that sort of kind of suddenly, sometimes thought in the past that he looks a bit like a defender because he's obviously his size um, and his characteristics you know, he looks like a defender playing midfield. But I think now he's, his mobility is, you know, is unquestionably improving and he's maturing and he looks the the, the real package. And there's no doubt about it. He kind of, you know, is everything that West Ham fans look to in terms of, you know, uh, presence on the pitch and influence on the team. And I think for England well, there's few, you know, you know, few more important players for the progression that Gareth Southgate and his team have, have made into being one of the top, you know, top teams in the world, basically.
1: Do you think for Rice, the impact has been, seems to me that the international football that he played in the summer seems to have taken his career onto the next level, but I'm not somebody who watches West Ham every week. Do you think that Gareth Southgate deserves a lot of credit for his development or do you think that David Moyes should be taking the majority of it?
0: No, I I think that, I do think it's a bit of both, but I do think that David Moyes has really handled it particularly well because there will always be, won't there, a lot of speculation about Declan Rice and basically, you know, what's his next move? He's still got a long time on on his contract. And I just think that, you know, David Moyes handles it really well and embraces that. And rather than sort of shy away from having, you know, one of the most, admired and sought after players he kind of you know puts him center you know front and basically says you know got a hundred million pound player here and gives him that confidence and i think that basically david moyes has given west ham such a structure that i think it's given rice confidence and a platform to progress his game and there's no doubt about it in my mind that basically he's done that um you know for for club and country and it must just be a dream i think for For Gareth Southgate then to, you know, sort of inherit, you know, every couple of months or whatever it is, basically, at each international camp, a player that's so full of confidence, so full of belief, you know, got great ability on on the ball. His distribution is terrific. His energy, his work rate, his discipline on the pitch is great. I like him as a personality, by the way. I think that basically, when we talk about kind of, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, always about kind of, you know, players and their social media activity and what have you. Well, here's a guy who just loves it, you know, just basically sort of, him and Mason Mount are kind of, you know, sort of schoolboy mates, aren't they, basically? And the, their connections sometimes, those sort of kind of holiday, silly holiday videos and stuff like that. But actually that shows that basically it's a player that, you know, I'm not trying to put too too much emphasis on this, but he's basically just comfortable in his own skin, loves a laugh and he's just, you know, just enjoying life. And basically it shows that he's, you know, he's happy in his own skin and basically happy to sort of kind of, you know, be on the journey that he is. And I think people love that sort of insight into it, you know, that basically he's the boy next door, just, you know, living the dream, enjoying every moment and has been given that, that platform to do so. I think by the way, that basically he knows that he's got serious competition so he's got Jordan Henderson, you know, Liverpool captain, you know, kind of always there, and to to basically keep him out the team, out the England team, takes some doing, and he knows that he has to be at his, the top of his game every single time. And I have to say, I think Jude Bellingham is just a phenomenal young player who will, you know, be an absolute gem for England for a decade, basically, and will be, and it dominates games now in, in the Champions League for Borussia Dortmund. And that competition, I mean, is going to be quite something to see then who who takes that place. I mean, Bellingham is perhaps more, you know, sort of kind of a, of a classic number eight because he can do all aspects of the game. And so, but basically what I'm trying to say is that Declan Rice knows the strength of competition at international level. And the way that he responds to that, and he never lets his performance level drop because he knows the competition. And I think that's incredibly healthy that that competition level is there to, to kind of push all of those players. And I think, you know, Declan Rice will probably be very beneficial for the fact that basically he's got a lot of players breathing down his neck.
1: OK, well, you've now heard the views of John Cross. I think you said he would be voting for Jorginho or has voted for Jorginho in his uh, vote, but it's, it's your chance to vote now. So this is the fans uh, Player of the Year Award. So make sure you get your votes in and be interesting to see who gets the win for the fans Um, I would probably say Jorginho or Mo Salah would be the two guesses if I was going to pick but thanks everyone for listening Uh, thanks John for coming along and please make sure you get them voting